Welcome to the Self-Publishing School Podcast. This is the podcast to listen to if you're an aspiring writer or an author who wants to be more successful. On this show, you'll learn how to write and launch a book successfully, all from the top authors and people just like you who are doing it at the highest level. I'm your host, Chandler Volt, the founder of Self-Publishing School, the author of the book called Published, and the CEO of selfpublishing.com. For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey, Chandler Bolt here, and joining me today uh, is a man who needs no introduction, but I'll give one anyway, <laughs> uh, Mr. Robert Kiyosaki. So uh, Robert's the author of over 18 books, including Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is arguably uh, the number one personal finance book of all time, selling over 40 million copies uh, crazy. He's also the host of Rich Dad Radio. Um, I, you can check out. I'm going to be on there next week. Very excited about that. Uh, now, fun. My dad handed me a copy of Rich Dad Poor Dad at, gosh, 16, 17 years old, uh, and I went on to read four or five of your books while in high school, and it it kickstarted me to ultimately dropping out of school. I know similar to you, <laughs> uh, and and also just kind of set me off on this entrepreneurial journey. So without Rich Dad, Poor Dad, without Robert Kiyosaki, I really think there is no self-publishing school. Uh, and uh, a lot of what we do today wouldn't be happening. So Robert, really great to have you here. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, I'm honored. Well, I thank your dad for me, by the way. <laughs> I will, I will tell him, uh, he'll love that. So, you know, I, I know you were, we were talking about before the interview you, is, is about the story about why you had to self-publish. So why, why, why did you self-publish? Why did you write Rich Dad, Poor Dad? This book here? Yeah. Uh, well, the truth is I created the cash flow game with my wife, Kim. And the cash flow game is the only game that teaches full-blown financial statement uh, accounting, the single most boring <laughs> subject of business school. <laughs> now, we created the cash flow board game. And Mattel turned it down. Mm -hmm. They said, or, or no, one of, one of the game companies. They said mm -hmm. cash flow was too hard. That uh, I said, well, I, I learned everything I learned on Monopoly. And the guy goes, yeah, but people have gotten a lot more stupid since Monopoly. <laughs> he said, I quote unquote, he says, we couldn't bring Monopoly out today because people aren't smart enough to play that game. Mm. Mm -hmm. So when he saw my ca and cash flow is a very sophisticated game, you know. Oh yeah. So he see he turned it down. So being entrepreneurs, we just said, well, we're going to do it anyway. So we, we, we produced the game, and he was right. Nobody would buy the game because it was too hard. So we got desperate. You know, entrepreneurs always desperation is a spirit of entrepreneurship, I guess. So I think I better write a brochure, a catalog mm -hmm. for my game. So I sat down. It took me about a year. And I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And wow. then I tried to sell Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And everybody mm -hmm. said to me, you don't know what you're talking about. So I go to New York, you know, all the publishers, and they're laughing at me. And they're saying, you know, the opening line is the rich don't work for money. That's rule number one of the rich. And, of course, these editors, they got their heads up there, you know, what? So they said, well, what do you mean? You know, I have a peer, you know, they're, they're all, they're like my poor dads. All these editors in New York City. They didn't like that. And I said, your house is not an asset. They didn't like that at all either. And then I, and then, uh, I said, savers are losers. They didn't like that either. So they rejected Rich Dad Poor Dad. So now I'm desperate. I got a board game I can't sell. And nobody wants to publish Rich Dad Poor Dad. So being entrepreneurs, you know, we just say, I'll screw them. 
we're just going to do what we have to do. So my wife, Kim, and I published 1,000 copies of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And she says, now what are we going to do with it? I said, well, if we can't sell them, we have Christmas gifts for a long time. <laughs> so, and, the, and Dad, we sent copies out and nobody would touch it because you're self-published. They wouldn't touch us. So I went, oh, my God. So I called my friend who owns a car wash in Austin, Texas. And I said, would you put two dozen of Rich Dad, Poor Dad in your car wash? And he says, we don't sell books in car washes. And I said, that's good. No competition. Because, you know, you go to a bookstore, <laughs> they got so many books, your book gets lost mm -hmm. in there. So yeah. this, that's why I chose you to be the first guy to sell yeah. my book. He says, get, get out of here, you know. But finally, you know, salesmanship begins when the customer says no. And he finally says, I'll put two dozen of your books in there for two weeks. And if they don't sell, get them back. I said, I promise. I promise. So I call him up after a week. Nothing has sold. Then about a week later, two weeks, I said, what happened? He says, they're all gone. I said, you want some more? He goes, no, I don't want, I don't want them anymore. I'm, you make me too nervous. I don't sell books in car washes. So I'm sitting around waiting, and then all of a sudden I got this phone call with a real thick Dallas accent. He goes, hi, my name's Bill Galvin. I, I got your book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I said, really? Where'd you get it? He said, well, a friend of mine bought it in a car wash and shipped it to me. <laughs> so so it was a doctor. Um, so this doctor gets my book, and he ships it to Bill Galvin up in uh, Dallas. He says, that's a good book. He says, how many copies you got left? I said, 1,000 minus 24. <laughs> he says, you haven't sold any? I said, no. He says, I'll take all the rest. I went, what? He says, I'll take them all. And I said, who are you? So I said, my name is Bill Galvin from Dallas, Texas. I said, but who do you work for? He says, I work for Amway. Oh, yeah. Amway is a private distribution. You know, it's a network marketing yeah, company. For sure. And uh, they said, this is the perfect book for all of our thousands and thousands of people throughout the world. So we shipped them 1,000 minus 24. <laughs> wow. And, and, and the first 1,000 books were sold. When Amway, because they're a, they're a study organization. You know, they teach mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. I have tremendous mm -hmm. respect for Amway. Because yep. you're really training people to be entrepreneurs, to be self-actuated, you know, and all stuff like this. Yeah. And the book slowly made its way all over the world. And I didn't hear anything. That was it. But we're not going to publish any more books. You know, that was too nerve wracking for me. And then about two years later, Rich Dad, Poor Dad makes the New York Times bestseller list. Wow. The only self-published book on the list. And then a week later, Oprah called. So Oprah calls and I was in Australia having a good time. And my wife says, calls me in Australia, says, hey, Oprah called. I said, oh, good, good, good. And she wants you on our program. I go, yeah, good, good. When? She says, this week. I said, I just got to Australia. She says, get your ass home now. You know, because <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't know who, I'm a U.S. Yeah. Marine. You know, I, was, I yeah. flew from the Marine Corps. And real Marines don't watch Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of other people do. I know. So I said, so my, I, I had to turn around. I was only in Australia for two days, get back on that 9,000-hour flight back to Phoenix, then straight mm. to Chicago. And, I, and I'm sitting in the, in the room. It's all these crowds of people. 
there's this little round uh, platform or a small stage and there's two chairs. And I go, well, one's for Oprah. And then it dawned on me, the other's my chair. I went, holy Christ, that's me. And then she gets up there and, and here he is, Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I walk on stage and my life changed. How? I went, she's syndicated in 150 different countries. My mm -hmm. book went from zero to hero, you know, international bestseller in less than a few months. And that's what happened, you know? Yes. And so now, guess what? I love Oprah. She's my new hero. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite show, huh? Was it, so was that, uh, was that car wash owner, um, Keith Cunningham? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Small world. That's yeah. awesome. So that's the first thousand books and that's going from self-published Oprah hitting the New York Times list. I, I mean, how do you, like, why do you think that that book sold so well? Well, you know, that all same is it's a book whose time has come. And you look at what's going on with this Corona crisis right now and all this, the reason I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad is because I could see this crisis coming. Because the thing I ask everybody, what does school teach you about money? And for most people, it's bah, it's flatline. Nobody knows anything about money. And so that's why I could see this crisis coming. I saw that, I actually saw my latest book is Who Stole My Pension? Because when I came back from Vietnam, uh, my father, my poor dad was a PhD from Stanford University of Chicago in Northwestern. And he was unemployed, no paycheck, no job, no pension. So I come back from Vietnam, you know, and he says, I was a pilot. So he says, why don't you go fly for United? And I said, I'm through flying, dad. I'm going to be an entrepreneur like my rich dad. And he was really upset with me. He says, you know, you need job security. You know, being a pilot's pretty high paying. I think they get paid about 400000 a year back then. I said, Dad, I can make that as an entrepreneur in a month. Why would I work a year for that? So that was a strain between my rich dad and my poor dad and myself because, as I always say to people today, is what's one of the most important things you've ever done in your life? And that is I chose my teacher. So you've really got to be careful who your teachers are. So the power of books or YouTube today is you have greater choice of teachers because I really hated school. I mean, I did not like school. I, I only, there was only two teachers I liked, the rest I hated. And I just didn't like school. I went to a great school with the Merch Marine Academy in Kings Point, New York. But again, the teacher can either make you or break you. So the power of books and YouTube today is my advice to young people is really be careful who your teachers are because your greatest asset lies between your left ear and your right ear. It's called your brain. If you have one left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I, lo I love that. Cause it, we always talk about how a book is a $15 mentor, right? It's the smartest, most successful people on the planet have taken everything that they learned and put it into a book and for yep. 15 bucks in a few hours, you can buy it and you can read it. Right. And it's just unbelievable. Yeah. So how, how many of your books are um, self-published self versus traditionally published? Uh, I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I have, my, uh, the person that handles most of my work is Mona Gambetta. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I did flunk out of high school twice because I can't write. So my, my writing is pretty horrible. I don't spell well, I know I run on sentences and all this. So in, in high school, I was sat next to the smartest girl. <laughs> it's cool, that's called cheating. <laughs> <laughs> so I still cheat as an adult. 
And Mona takes my books and edits them, but she got into the self-publishing business and she's extremely good at it. So she's helping, you know, she, she helps publish a lot of my friends' books and all this stuff. But um, we're really entrepreneurs. You know, we, we, yeah. I, I really don't care for the corporate world that much. So I, I'd rather be small and make a lot of money and pay no taxes. That's my game. Yeah. And I'm very happy doing it this way. So yeah. I encourage anybody who has a book, you know, especially if the publishers turn it down, don't let that stop you. Do you know what I mean? Go to a self-publishing school and find out how this job is done. Because it's a big job, self-publishing a book. You can ask more. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And so, it, you know, I, I think I've heard you say before, it's, it's called best-selling author, not best-written author. And, and you kind of just alluded to that. So, you know, what, what's your philosophy behind that? And what would be your advice for someone out there who's thinking, hey, I've always wanted to write a book, but I don't write well enough. Well, I don't, I still don't write well enough, you know I mean? I, but anyway, uh, it's a best-selling author. It's not a best-writing author. And after the book was published, you know, a lot of the editors and the publishers said, your book still sucks. I said, yeah, but I sell more than your stupid books. And uh, the reason for that is because it goes back to Rich Dad Poor Dad and Choose Your Teachers Wisely. Like I said, when I came back from Vietnam, I said, I want to be an entrepreneur. And my poor dad wanted me to fly for United. And I said, I'd be an employee. You know, it's easier to be an employee than an entrepreneur, but I'd rather be an entrepreneur. So anyway, I said, what do I have to do to be an entrepreneur? He says, you have to sell. And I'm, I'm Japanese. I'm very shy. I said, I don't want to sell. Plus, my poor dad and my mother, they hated salesmen, you know, because they're academics. Oh, salesmen are scum. You know, all they do is work for money and all this. So there's a bad attitude inside the poor dad family against anybody who sold. And then I go talk to my rich dad. Again, choose your teachers wisely. And he says, look, you've got to sell. You're going to be an entrepreneur. If you can't sell, you're not going to make it because it's a skill set. You know, it's like a plumber has to know how, know how to turn a wrench. An entrepreneur must know how to sell. So I said, I don't want to sell. I don't want to sell. I'm still in the Marine Corps. And he said, Robert, how's your sex life? I said, non-existent. He says, because you can't sell. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> that was my motivation. <laughs> so he said, wow. go learn how to sell. So that instead of looking for a safe, secure job, I applied to both IBM and Xerox because they had, back in those days, they had great sales training programs. So I faced my greatest fear, which is knocking on doors and getting rejected. So I, uh, I, got, I got hired by Xerox, great training. They flew me from Hawaii to Leesburg, Virginia, go to professional sales schools and all this stuff. And then when I came back to Hawaii, I was still getting, I was going to get fired because I, I was still shy. I was still very afraid of getting rejection. I didn't like it, you know? So I went to see my rich dad again. He says, I'm going to get fired because my, you know, you have to, you have to make so many points a month with Xerox or you get fired. He says, well, that's the lesson you need to learn because if you don't sell, they're going to fire you. Or if you're an entrepreneur, you're not going to make any money because sales equals income. So I said, okay. And then he said, the reason you're not succeeding is because you're not failing fast enough. Uh, I said, what do you mean by that? He says, how many sales calls do you make a day? I'm in downtown Honolulu, knocking on doors in my little handy-dandy briefcase, looking like an idiot, in a suit and tie in Hawaii, of all things. <laughs> anyway, uh, 
He says, the reason you're failing is because you're not failing fast enough. I said, what do you mean by that? He says, the trouble with your, my poor dad, academic type, they think if you fail, you fail. He says, successful people fail a lot. They make mistakes and learn. So he says, I want you to step up your failure rate every single day. Now it's hard because you're walking door to door and the secretaries get out, get out, get out, get out. So I might, I might make on a good day, three presentations. So he says, you have to get your failure up to 30 a day. So then I had to figure out how am I going to get to 30 a day failures? So my, again, I talked to my poor dad. He says, get a job. I told you to go fly for the airlines, you know? And I went to see my rich dad. He says, go volunteer. Find somebody who needs people who can who, who sell. So I found a nonprofit. And after working at Xerox in downtown Honolulu, I go up to this nonprofit and dial for dollars. And my goal every night, it, it was four nights a week. That's a lot of time. I was a single guy. I want to be chasing the beautiful women in Waikiki Beach, you know? So I'm there, I, had, I had to make 30, 30 phone calls a night. And every time I got rejected, I said, one, two, three, four. And I'm getting rejected left to right. I still can't sell. But for some reason, my numbers at Xerox went up. So I was burning out that fear of rejection, all the stuff that holds people back. Fear of failure, fear of mistakes, looking stupid. And I, I finished my four years at Xerox as number one in sales. So with that, I carried that skill set. Like I said, what life is about is what are your skill sets. You know, if you can fix plumbing, you're a plumber. So because from there I could sell, then I started my first business, which was a nylon and Velcro surfer wallet business called Rippers. And uh, we took that business internationally. So I carried all those skills into a self-publishing world of Rich Dad Poor Dad. So that's why I said I'm a best-selling author. I still suck as a writer, but I sell a lot of books. And if there's, a lesson, there's a lesson for all people who want to be self-published or be authors, you got to sell. Yeah. And, and play to your strengths, get help. I mean, you've gotten help with, with the pieces of making your writing really good, um, which, which is kind of the fundamentals in the back in there. I love what you said. Uh, it's, it's funny. It's one of our five core values as a company, self-publishing school. Um, fail fast, fail forward, fail often. And, and, and failing quickly is the best way to learn. Um, so I just love that. I want to go back to the board game. Um, and, you know, so I didn't know this. The board game came first, then the book. And so, you know, so you publish the book, get the call, go on Oprah, selling your first thousand books in a car wash and then Amway. Uh, then, then how did you reintroduce the board game? And like, what does that kind of journey look like for folks uh, coming into your world, I would imagine, through the book? then the board game, and then how they go on to do more business with you? Well, like I said, all this book is is a catalog. It's a brochure for the board game. That's all it is. It's because I think the biggest mistake they make in schools, again, it goes back to mistakes. So they tell you to memorize the answer, but don't make mistakes. So you can't do anything. Do you know, there's a big difference for somebody who can, you know, I can think about going to the gym or I can go to the gym or I can read a book playing golf, or I can play golf. And the reason so many academics got their heads so far up their butts is because they can't do anything. Because in their academic little pointy head world, is you make mistakes, you're stupid. That's the reason. So in the back of this little book here, are all my board, all my brochures 
for my board games and other books and all this stuff. It's, it's just a brochure that sold 46 million copies all over the world because I'm a best-selling author. There's a very big difference. And how many, how many board games have you guys sold? I don't know. It's, it's, uh, we're, Rich Dad is a branding company. I don't know if you've seen my book, The uh, Cashflow Quadrant. You know, the four, the, the employee, yep. the self-employed. B stands for brand. I stands for investor or inside investor. So one of my goals was to start a brand. So Rich Dad is a brand throughout the world. And under that brand, we license out the rights to send me checks. So a company, let's say in Poland, will license the rights to produce the cash flow game through the European countries. So once a quarter, I get a check from my licensee. I have no expenses. They just send me a check. And that's because, you know, it's a business. We're a business. And then the Japanese always send me a check. The Chinese don't send me any checks. They just steal. And <laughs> the South America, we have a lot of games in Spanish and stuff like this. I don't, I don't really know. We, yeah. we have more pirated, more things stolen from us than we sell. Uh, you know that business. A yeah, lot of yeah. crooks in this world. Yeah, but that's yeah. life, you know. Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right, so if you've learned something, we want to help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right, so go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. And it, so this is kind of a, a funny, my, so my brother said, he said, you need to ask him if he plays cash flow on uh, all family vacations like we do. <laughs> that oh, game has been a staple in our house and there's been many arguments <laughs> That's good. over cash flow That's games good. over holidays and good, you know, sparking good conversations and things like well, that. Well, the reason that that's important is because we learn by doing, except mm -hmm. in school. Mm -hmm. But in school, you learn to not make mistakes. But in the real world, what, you, what you're doing is making mistakes. So let's say you're going to learn to play golf. It's mental. You, you got to say how to grip the club and all that. It's physical. You still got to swing the club. And it's emotional because you miss a lot. And it's spiritual. The spirit keeps you going through the failures. So those are the big difference. But what you're doing when you're playing the game mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, is you're rewiring the neural pathways in your brain from your right ear to your left ear. You're rewiring the pathways in your brain. So, you know, when I first started playing golf, I was horrible. I'm still horrible, but I can hold my own on the golf course. But if I had made no mistakes, I'd be a legend in my own mind. You say, yeah, I can, I can mm -hmm. take on Tiger Woods, mm -hmm. but I can't even putt. You know what I mean? So that's, those are a couple of the big complaints I have against school systems. They tell you not to cooperate because that's called cheating. I cheat like a wild man. And they tell you don't make mistakes. How do you learn if you don't make mistakes? Right. And, and, and thirdly, they teach you nothing about money. Mm -hmm. And so today we have a corona crisis. Millions, you know, 30 million people in America are out of work today. And our economy is going to crash. That's really, really sad. So one of the books I, I published in 2002 is Rich Dad's Prophecy. 
And I said there would be three crashes. And so the first crash came with a dot-com crash, second crash came with the um, subprime crash, and today, the corona crash. How did I know that? Is because I surfed most of my life. So as a big, you know, there's big wave surfers and small wave surfers. So small wave surfers ride wind-blown waves. And the big wave surfers in Hawaii ride the ocean swells from the, from the winter swells. And every big wave surfer knows there's three that come in sets generally, not all the time, sets of three. And so you've really got to time yourself with when you're going to take that third wave. Because if you're too inside, the wave crashes on you. You're too far outside, you miss everything. So it's that third wave. And that third wave crashed March of 2020. On time, on schedule. The other thing too, is if you study cycles and trends, every 90 years, there's a collapse, a crash. So the last crash was 1930 or 1929. 2020, 90 years later, we have a crash again. So everything is predictable and all this stuff, except that our schools don't teach you anything about that. You know, the schools yeah, yeah. don't teach you that not a, money is just debt and taxes. That if you don't learn anything about debt and taxes, you'll never be, probably never be rich. But they tell you to stay out of debt and pay your taxes. Are you kidding me? The rich don't pay taxes and they use debt. So everything is opposite of what they teach you in school. Right. And that's, you know, it's one of the cool things I think about the game is, you know, you got the game of life that hopefully you learn quick enough, but the, the game itself, we're obviously talking about cash flow game, it's, it's a feedback mechanism. Yeah. And, 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 and so you see, it's like, I'm a very competitive person. It only takes losing so many times to where you figure out, oh, yeah. I did this wrong move here, or I was, yeah. I was yeah. too cautious. I tried to hold yeah. on to too yeah. much cash. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't take this opportunity. You know, yeah. I mean, you, like, it's a feedback mechanism, and then it sparks the conversation that right. leads to the changes in day-to-day -day life, which you often don't get that feedback mechanism on such a short, you know, hour right. and a half, two hour timeline, as opposed to 50 years. And then at the end of that 50 years, you look back and you say, Oh shoot, I totally messed up. Yeah. And, and again, I ask people, can you learn to play golf by reading a book? No, but basically right, that's what schools are trying to get you to do. So the cash flow board game was again, with some, you know, wire the neural pathways in your brain. You know, it's called neuroplasticity. So it changes who you are. Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, if, if I could shoot four under par every game, I'd be a pro golfer, but I can't. Right. But I have to practice more. Yeah. I have to fail more to get more successful. Yeah. But in yeah. school, they teach you don't fail, don't make mistakes. Right. As an entrepreneur, I failed so many times. I've lost millions and millions and millions of dollars. But each one was like a mistake on the board game. Oh, okay, I can correct and go do something different. And the board yeah, game, yeah. you're playing with play money, not real money. Yeah. You know, so am I playing cash flow? I play it every single day of my life. That's yeah. all I'm doing. Like I play Monopoly every single day in my life, but Monopoly for real. Yeah. And we're, and we're getting hammered right now. Thank God I'm not in retail. You know, not in, thank God I'm not in commercial real estate. But right now we have 8,000 rental units and a lot of them aren't paying, you know? So that's another, oh my God. Mm -hmm. And the good thing about it is I'm gonna get smarter after learning how to handle this crisis. Yes. But if you make no mistakes, then you should buy stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, and don't learn anything or invest with Warren Buffett. See, a lot of people don't wanna learn, so they just give their money to, they think somebody will manage it for them. That's fine too. 
That's Susie Orman, you know, she has a lot of books, Dave Ramsey. That's that kind of teacher. Again, the lesson is choose your teachers wisely. Yeah. Choose when that's like given, that's like counting on a publisher to sell your book. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same thing, right? They do not sell it for you. Let's, I, you talked about the B standing for brand. And I want to talk about that. How did you turn, you know, a successful book into a successful series of books and into a full brand? Like what are, like, for, what are the first steps for someone looking to do that? I know our, our mutual friend, we're both in uh, the Miracle Morning movie. Um, with Hal Elrod and Hal's oh, yeah, done a series and he's an yeah. amazing guy. He was, he was texting me. He said to tell you, say, Hey, um, and, uh, but like, you know, he's turned a book into a series. I mean, yeah. you were one of the first people to do this and in a huge and meaningful way. So how did you go from successful book to really full on brand? Well, again, it's by making mistakes. It comes down to that. If you don't do anything, you don't make any mistakes. You don't learn anything. But I started when I had my nylon and Velcro surfer wallet business. This is in the, or 70s and there was a there was a brand called op ocean pacific so ocean pacific came to see us and said would you mind making a private label for us op wallets and they found out that we weren't even manufacturers we were subcontracting out to south korea so they said well we don't need you and so they took it they went to south korea and got our same supplier and they have op wallets but they weren't my brand and i went Son of a gun, that brand blew us out of the water. OP did. And then after that, after I lost everything in that business, I came battling back. I got into rock and roll. So one of the first bands I private labeled for was a band called The Police. You know, Sting and all those guys. And all of a sudden, I, I, saw, I started seeing the power of a brand. Then came Duran Duran, Van Halen, Boy George, uh, Pink Floyd. And it was burning in my brain. Like I said, if you don't do it, you don't know it. And I said, one more time, these guys are kicking my butt. I have to work for them because they just stand on, stand on stage to sing and get all the chicks rushing up to them. And I got to go deal with their attorneys and get a brand to write to sell their wallets with their names on it. I said, if I don't get a brand pretty quick, uh, yeah, I'm not going not gonna to have not gonna, no sex, drugs, rock and roll. So it was burning in my brain. How do I create a brand? And it's not like instant answer. You know, that's, that's your brain going to work. And he starts looking at what, what brands are working, what brands aren't working. And then you can make up your mind. You know, everybody would love to be a brand. Everybody would love to be an Apple or a Google or a Facebook. That's power. So it's worth asking yourself a question. So if you're, you're writing a book, more than the title is you ask yourself, is this potential to be a brand? And if you can do that, you got it made. And a lot of authors have started brands, you know, because they, their name became a brand or all that stuff. But it's always burning in the back of a entrepreneur's brain. So that's the big difference there. Again, it goes ES, employee, self-employed, brand, inside investor. So as an inside investor, I'm just selling the rights to sell my products for me to 50 companies throughout the world. I'm a brand. So I don't have a manufacturing company. Everybody does the manufacturing for me and they pay me a royalty. That's big business. That's the difference. And they don't teach you that in school. Okay, so, and, and, and that's how it starts. But again, your most powerful asset is putting your left ear and your right ear, your brain, use it. <laughs> yeah. 
And so I like, how, like, how do you, for someone who's thinking, okay, I haven't sold 40 million copies of a book. Like how, how do you go from book to brand or like what, what are the things that you've kind of done over the years to really build out? Like, I mean, you've got a massive brand. Well, one of the rules is, is a thing. It's not marketing. You know, there's, there's sales and marketing, but before marketing, there's another type of co communication. It's called PR, public relations. And so I've always had a full-time PR person because PR is cheaper than advertising, you know? So I would get into, I would get into magazines and articles and, you know, puts around, puts around. But the biggest, the biggest home run was in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I listed a network marketing company as an asset and that attracted Amway. And then came all the other network marketing companies they're asking me to endorse their company, which I don't do. But those organizations, because they're teaching people how to sell, they started requiring their thousands of downline, as I call them, to read my book. So it really is, you know, a relationship type of business. And I think too many authors want to be the author, but they're not good PR, public relations. So then what happened is after Amway fell in love with my book, they flew me all over the world to sell my book to their people. So on 9-11, guess where I was? I was in Istanbul, you know. I remember they're talking to all these Muslims for Amway, and, and they just bombed the World Trade Center. And I don't know, what the hell am I doing here, you know? But it was because I was doing PR, public relations. So because I was helping Amway sell their company, Amway helped me sell my book. So I got paid the big bucks to fly all over the world and sell my book. <laughs> mm. And so from the beginning, it was PR and having a full-time PR person and really using publicity to kind of build and drive a lot of what you're doing. Okay, this for me right now is PR. It's PR yeah. for you also. Yeah. But it's a relationship thing. You know, I'll, I'm more than happy to endorse what you do because it's sincere for me. I am self-published. I was self-published. But many, I, I met many authors got their heads up their butts. You know, they, they think they're God or Muhammad or Buddha, Buddha or something. They think they're smarter than everybody else. You still have to have relationships out there, you know, team members. So the way I got successful is help other people sell their business and I help sell my business. It's called you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Okay. That's the secret. Awesome. Love it. Um, well, hey, we're, we're in the home stretch here. Thank you. This has been great. And it's been really cool. You know, I think really interesting is someone, and I'm sure a lot of people would relate to this. Uh, and and, and, and maybe, I was going to say, you probably get tired of hearing this, but maybe not. Um, it, it, it's like a, you know, my brother plays in the Grammy nominated rock and roll band. And it's like your favorite song that, you know, by the 3000th time playing it, you're tired of playing it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. sure it's probably with you. It's it, but it, it has been cool. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening and watching can see this is like to have experienced, you know, reading the book and seeing what it and then to, to then now years later, actually see kind of how things happened and like unfolded. I think this has been really cool for me. So I appreciate this. I'd well, love the, 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 yeah. the greatest thrill is so many, you know, young people like you said, my mother and my father gave me the book.
mm-hmm. that's that's the proof of the pudding. Yeah. You know what I mean? If if you're if you're just really here to write to serve humanity, then when parents pass it on to kids, I've done my job. Yeah. And I, so that's why I say thank your dad. Yeah. Awesome. And I will. Um, so a couple final questions. What would be kind of your parting piece of advice uh, for someone who's maybe the young Robert, the, uh, you know, think back to before you even wrote your first book and, and, and those folks out there that are thinking about writing their first book, knowing what you know now, ton of books, 46 million copies. What would be your advice to, to someone kind of just getting started? Well, the biggest, the biggest thing is I only write about what I do. You know, one of the problems I have with many books I write, you know, they're blowing smoke. It's called BS. And uh, I didn't start writing books until I was after I was rich. So I retired at 47. My wife was 37. So, all, so that's how we created the cash flow board game because people keep asking us, how did you do it? Because we don't have stocks, bonds, mutual funds. We don't have pensions. We don't have that stuff but have 401ks. So they kept asking us, how'd you do it? So that's why we created the cash flow board game. And the next thing we did was wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad because I couldn't sell the game. Then I couldn't sell the book, you know what I mean? And, and, and every time I just pushed a little harder. But, you know, everybody's life is unique. Everybody's got a different genius. So write about what's true for you. You know, whether it's controversial or not controversial. So I think that's the most important thing. Are you for real? And I meet a lot of phonies out there. You know, the world is full of phonies, full of phonies. Look, I think this corona pandemic, a lot of it's phony. You know what I mean? From what I know about it. And I think what the corona pandemic is, is really a cover-up of the biggest financial collapse coming. So that's why I reached Dad's prophecy. I said, this was going to collapse anyway. So the coronavirus, I think they're going to blame, blame the coronavirus instead of blame the Fed and the Treasury and the banks. You know, in 2008, when the markets crashed, people lost everything. They paid our bankers bonuses. That's criminal. That's criminal. That's what I don't like. So that's why I write in all this is because we can't let the so-called academic elite rip us off. So I write and all that because I'm sick and tired of these guys ripping us off and, you know, this thing crashes and they make all the money and we get screwed. So there's got to be something like that inside of you. You know, I don't do this because I need the money. I was already retired when I wrote the book, but I'm still pissed off. How dare they rip us off like this? How dare they blame the coronavirus for, you know, a shadow banking crash and people don't know what the shadow bank is. It was crashing long before the corona showed up, but they had to cover it up. That's my opinion. It's not worth anything, but that's my opinion. So unless you have some kind of fire in your belly like that, your writing will be boring. And people have no time for boring books today. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you never know what's going to work with the public. So I, I, that's what drives me on. I don't need the money, but we do need financial education. I don't like what Wall Street's doing. I don't like what the Fed is doing. I don't like what our school system's doing. So it's a private cr- crusade, a mission, a duty. You know, I went to military school. It's duty, honor, respect, courage. That's what drives me. It's spiritual. That's awesome. Thanks. Well, Robert, thank you so much for coming on. Um, where can people find out more about you, your books, and what you guys are doing? Well, it's always richdad.com. But uh, 
anyway, I just, I'm just happy your dad passed your book on to you. I think that's the most important thing a parent can do is be their child's best teacher and, you know, help them learn because they're not going to learn the stuff at school. You know that, I know that. And that's why we have a financial crisis today. It starts in our school system. Absolutely. Well, Robert, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Self-Publishing School Podcast. I know there's so many places that you can be spending your time. There's other podcasts that you can be listening to, YouTube channels that you can be watching. Uh, so thank you so much. It means the world. Now, I want you to do three things right now if you found this episode. All right, number one, I don't know if you know this, but we've got a YouTube channel. It's a companion channel to this podcast. All the video versions of the episode are on the YouTube channel. So number one, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Number two, if you're listening to this podcast wherever, whether this is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, number two, I want you to subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, and then number three, this is probably the most important, uh, leave a review on the podcast. All right, reviews are super important and help this podcast get discovered by other people. Uh, so number three, leave a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. If you're on the fence about scheduling a publishing consultation call with my team, maybe you're not quite ready uh, for that, I've got some free training that I think will be really helpful for you. All right, all you have to do is go to register to sign up. Go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. When you do, you're also going to get a free digital copy of my new book, Published. And on that training, you're going to learn the next step, so how to implement with your book. So how to write, how to publish, how to launch successfully. So go to register right now at selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. I'll see you there.